0: And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 4 this morning. I want to say welcome to the people that are joining us online um, for the preaching. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 12 through 17, it says, Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles... The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What's going on in this story? Jesus is beginning his ministry, and John has been put in prison for preaching. And so Jesus leaves leaves for Galilee and ends up in Capernaum, which was the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 9. Um, and then it says that Jesus starts his ministry by preaching repentance. Uh, we preach repentance almost every week here at faith and victory and we'll do it again. Um, I love preaching repentance because I believe it leads people to the gospel, um, but this week, I want to focus more on the beginning of Jesus's uh, uh, mission as he's setting out to go and do what God has told him and called him to do. Uh, and from this message, this is what I'm hoping that you're getting, uh, is that I hope that you are going to be encouraged to stay on mission. I don't want us to lose sight of what God has called us to do and what God is asking us to do. And so in the same way that Jesus was on mission, we are on mission here at Faith and Victory Church. God has placed every single one of us, myself and you, here for a time such as this. You have been placed, called, put, whatever you want to say, at Faith and Victory Church in Auburn because God has a strategic plan for a time such as this. Now, I will tell you that I have complained about being in the Pacific Northwest. I have. I've complained about it from the pulpit, I've complained about it online. If you stand around long enough, I would usually complain about it. Complain about the weather and the politics and the lack of good barbecue, like all these things. And I was born and raised a Pacific Northwest guy, right? I mean, I'm a Ballard boy. I was born and raised here. But I've complained about it because my flesh sometimes wants to just go somewhere where the weather's nicer and they accept Christianity. I just do, ma'am. That's my flesh. But here's what I've come to realize is that God has called me here for a time such as this. God has placed me here for a time such as this. And so from this day forward, I am not going to complain anymore about being placed in this place. I'm just not. And I I challenge you to to call me on it. If you catch me complaining, say, Pastor, I thought you said you weren't gonna complain anymore. And I'll say, you're right. I said I wasn't gonna complain anymore. And so I wanna encourage you in the same way to get this mindset that says, you know what? God has called me to this church at this time in this place for a time such as this. There are people in this region, in this place that need Jesus. And if all the Christian churches leave the Pacific Northwest, where does that leave us? It it doesn't leave us in a good place because there's people here that need Jesus. There's people here that need to know the truth of the gospel. If all the Christian churches leave, it will not be a good thing. This morning, as we look at Jesus and what he had to do and what he came to do to benefit all of us, we could look at that and say, do you know what? We are going to stay in the fight and we're not going to give up, amen? I titled this message this morning, Stay in the Fight. First point I wanna make is this, is that we have to stay in the fight because we have to stay on mission. We are on a mission. We have got to live out Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Matthew 28, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's our marching orders. That's what we're supposed to do. We cannot be pulled in a different direction based on what the world is doing or what is happening around us. The mission must go on. You'll notice that the world is cyclical. Whatever it is focused on and whatever it is consumed with is not what they're going to be consumed with in the next few months. Yeah. It's just not. You just have to wait and they're going to change their tune. They're just going to continue doing nothing, to continue doing something else. And so for us as Christians, we have to stay the course. We have to look at what's going on and say, do you know what? I'm not going to change what I'm doing based on what the world is doing. Yeah. In the beginning of this story, we see in uh, Matthew 4, 12, it says, now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. Jesus sees John go to prison ostensibly for preaching repentance. It's not abundantly clear, uh, but that's just what had been going on in this story is that John was preaching repentance. He goes to prison. Jesus sees that that John goes to prison for preaching repentance. And what does Jesus do? He goes and he preaches repentance. Did you pick that up? John goes to prison. Jesus sees John go to prison. And then he goes and continues to do what John was doing, knowing that John went to prison for preaching repentance. What happened to John wasn't going to keep Jesus from doing his his mission. He wasn't going to give up. See, what Jesus is demonstrating in this story to us is that just because someone goes to prison for what you're about to go and do doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. Yeah. And I mean that in a biblical sense, not in a worldly sense, okay? As as far as the law is concerned, if you see someone breaking the law and going to prison, that should be an indication of like, hey, I probably shouldn't be doing this. But if it's biblical and it's right and it's constitutional, just because someone else goes to prison for it, it shouldn't give an indication of like, hey man, maybe I shouldn't be doing that because someone else got in trouble for doing that. I'm not going to do it. No, you are on mission from Jesus. John preaches repentance, prison. Jesus goes out and says, you know what? I'm starting my ministry preaching repentance. We, as the people of God, cannot be crippled by fear because something bad happened to someone and use that as an excuse or reason why we can't do what we're supposed to do. Do you hear me? Just because something bad happened to somebody For doing what we're supposed to be doing doesn't mean that we have to stop doing what we're doing because something bad happened to someone else. Are you guys picking up what I'm dropping? Are you mopping up what I'm spilling? Does anybody remember uh, September 11th, uh, September 11th, 2001? And many of you guys know I was in the army during that time. I was on mission to Egypt. There was a mission in Egypt. Uh, peace accord between Israel and uh, Egypt from the early 80s, the Camp David Peace Accord. Uh, uh, Jimmy Carter had signed it. Israel and Egypt were at war. So now there's been a standing army there from 13 different nations uh, uh, holding off these two sides from fighting. So we've got troops over there. I was there for a year. Well, I was there for a year. 9-11 happened. And then all this war stuff started happening. And you at the U.S. Army said, you stay on your mission in Egypt just because everybody else is going to war, just because the world is falling apart, we're not adjusting what you're doing because you have a mission to perform. And through all the wars of the last 20 years, they're still doing that mission in the Sinai. Okay. Right now, as you said, there's, tro- there's American troops in the Sinai Peninsula holding to that peace accord. They're not allowing what's going on in the world keep them from doing what they know that they need to do. Yeah. You guys see the connection? Yeah. Do I have to spell it out? No. <laughs> like, no, let us go. Second Timothy 1.7 says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. This is a true scripture. Part of why Jesus came, it's described in Hebrews 2.15 and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Yeah. Do, do you see this? And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to to bondage. Many people are in bondage because of a fear of death, of watching other people be hurt by certain things and saying, this has got to be a justification why I don't have to continue on the mission that God has called me to. When Jesus came, he walked without fear to empower us to walk without fear. He said in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Did Jesus mean it when he said it? When he said it, did he mean it? Did he say, you don't need to be afraid, you don't need to be troubled. I'm going to give you this peace that the world will not understand. Everybody else around you will be in chaos and fear and doubt, but I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit inside of you that's going to help you to be able to walk in perfect peace. Not be afraid. Now, do you believe that? Yes. Or have you given yourself over to fear? Come on. Come on. And, I, and I get it, man. Like, we, <laughs> this is uncharted territory that we're living in. It just is. Nobody saw this. Nobody could understand how quickly everything around us has rapidly changed is unlike anything we've ever seen in our lifetimes. Ever. It's just, it's unprecedented. It's unprecedented. It's not a new normal. It's different it's not a new normal. And I I gave myself over to fear, man. Like back in March and April and May, I mean, we were washing our hands so much, the skin was falling off. And, you know, like people would come to our door and we'd step back and be like, go to the yard and, you know what I mean? And, and we just kind of like pushed back on all of it because I was like, you know what? I don't want to die. I don't, I don't want I want this virus to kill me and all these other things. And then, and then like, I began to think about it, and I was like, you know what? God has called me to lead a church. I'm a pastor. That's what I do. And, and Jesus has taught us not to fear. And, and so if I'm going to be the leader of this church, then I've got to display that I'm not walking in fear. I've got to be able to say, you know what? I'm trusting God. I'm doing whatever. And, and, and so Crystal and I really had a conversation about it. We talked about it, and I, and I literally had to come to a point in my mind where I said, you know what? If I lead my church during the season and I die from this disease, so be it. But, but I'm not going to I'm not going to be the guy that cowers in the basement and is afraid. I'm just not going to do that. I'm just like if this is my lot and this is what I'm going to do and and COVID is the thing that takes me out, frankly, sometimes I'm like bring it on. Like I, let me go be with Jesus. Let me go go to the other side, man. So I don't have to deal with all the stuff on this side. But what I wasn't going to do and what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to let a virus keep me from performing my mission. I'm just not. And if COVID or some rock falling out of the sky kills me, it will be because God wants me to come home. I can't live with this expectation of like, man, I can control all the variables in my life and I'm never going to die. And I'm going to be able to protect myself from all things. It's just, it's just not that way. See, the Savior that I serve said things to the men who were sent out to preach. He said things to them like, behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And I get it, man. Fear is real, and fear of death is real. We've all feared at some time, but we can't be gripped by it. Even David, mighty, mighty David said in Psalm 55, four, my heart is severely pained within me and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Mighty David walked in fear. And so if you've walked in fear, I just want to tell you, you are biblically normal. Yes. If David walked in fear, then we we're in good company. Mighty David who killed Goliath gave himself over to fear. I was like, man, I'm gripped by this thing. It doesn't make you abnormal. It doesn't mean that Jesus isn't on the throne. It doesn't mean that you've lost your faith. It doesn't mean you're less than. It doesn't mean you're not good enough. It just means you're normal, man. It's normal. But the psalmist says in Psalm 89, 48, what, what man can live and not see death? Can he deliver his life from the power of the grave? Can he? I, 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 this might come as a surprise, but one out of one people die. That's an interesting statistic, isn't it? one out of one people die. That's what we do. We're all just born to die. Some of us get one year, some of us get a hundred, but that's just the way that life is. The Bible declares it in Hebrews 9, 27, and it is appointed for men to die once, but after this comes the judgment. We're all going to die at some point. But people have become this life worshiper to the point of giving up every last right and giving up on the mission that God has called them to under the guise of protection of life. It's life worship. It's idolatry disguised as Christian virtue wrapped in false humility. I signed him to die, man. I signed him to die. That's that's the life of of Christ is to follow him and preach the gospel at all costs, no matter what may come, knowing that we're going to go to be with him at any time anyway. Let Let me paint a picture for you. We could have a nuclear war With a destroyed society, nuclear winter, literally a billion people like, I mean, this year, anything's possible, right? You have a, a nuclear war where a billion people on this planet die and we're in nuclear winter and we're sitting around, you know, shining up our last two rounds and cooking our last can of beans, whatever. And we would still be demanded by God's word to gather, to serve others and preach the gospel. There, there's no but unless in the scriptures. Jesus didn't say therefore go unless there's this virus that has a 99.6 percent survival rate. Then just shut down operations, you know, because well the last thing we want is people hearing about everlasting life when they're under fear of death. It's not what he said. The Bible the Bible doesn't have those those, those but unless kind of things that are inside of the scriptures. We've come to love our lives too much to the point of not living and staying on mission. Do you not realize that Christians were the ones that went into the the leper camps and preached the gospel to the lepers and they caught leprosy themselves and they died because they said the lepers are, are, are worthy to be served and hear the gospel that they may know Christ. And if it costs me my life, I will go in there. Christians go into war-torn lands and preach the gospel. Christians go into where cannibals are and they preach the gospel. They don't give up on mission. They say, you know what? This is what God has called us to do. We're going to do it. doesn't matter what the world says. Acts 20, 24. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. There it is the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Did, did you know that all the scriptures that, uh, that apply to death still apply during a global pandemic? God's word has not changed. Zacharias prophesied in Luke one seventy four and 75 to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. When Jesus came, it was to release us from the bondage of fear. So we wouldn't have to walk in fear. We wouldn't have to walk in doubt. We would be above the world and say, you want, when the rest of the world is crumbling, when the rest of the world is concerned, man, we walk above this world. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. We know better. We know what God says. We know what his word declares. The beginning of Jesus' ministry was moving forward in spite of John's imprisonment to accomplish the mission that God had given him. He was staying in the fight. This is why 2 Corinthians 1.10 rings so so true. Who delivered us from such, a, excuse me, from so a great death and does deliver us in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. Has he not already delivered us from death? Has he not already delivered us from fear, from anxiety, from all those things? He will still deliver us. Amen. Nothing has ever stopped Christianity. Right. Nothing. Right. And we cannot let this season that we're going through stop Christianity either. Amen. You know, it's it's interesting... Um, a lot of churches, the pastors will pick the worship sets. Um, but at, at our church, I've always let the worship leader pick the worship sets because I don't know, God calls those people too. And so he'll speak to them and let them know. And it's always a confirmation uh, for me when the worship leader picks the set and then it goes so in line with the sermon. And and, and uh, the first song today, the, the time has come to stand for what we believe in. I mean, dude, this is the time. This is the moment. Like this is, like for those of you, been, I've been serving God now for 30 years. We've talked for years about what it's going to look like and what it's going to sound like. And th- this is the, the, the most special time that I've ever lived in in my entire life to be able to preach the gospel. And I praise God I'm here for a time such as this. The, the, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. It's going to be plentiful, friend. Uh, plentiful, friend. It really will. The mission must go on. And here's part of it, man. And 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 I, whenever whenever I share a story about myself, it's never because I'm grandstanding or anything else. It's just because it's nice. Part of the mechanics of a sermon is you like take a break and you tell a story, and people might laugh or connect or whatever. The the point is is to connect you to the scriptures. It's not to connect you to me or think I'm navel Okay, it's like whatever. But. Uh, you know, Crystal and I—we got—we met in a January of '98. We got married in June of '98. I got deployed in September of '98 to Bosnia, and I was only 23 years old. And um, and and, and this—when I tell you guys stories, I want to tell you guys that like I—I I may uh, be emphatic about it, but I never—I never lie in my stories. I, I always want them to be true because I—I I, I just think that's bad to do it. And, and Crystal can verify anything that I tell you. Because um, she'll correct me, and uh, um, you know, before before I got deployed to Bosnia, I remember the, the the night before I left. Man, I'm 23 years old. I'm the I'm the man of my house and everything else, and I and I remember like laying in bed, and and I was hugging Crystal, and I was just sobbing uncontrollably. And, and the reason why I was sobbing is because I was deathly afraid to go off to Bosnia, right? I mean, they give you 210 rounds of ammunition and an M16, and they do all these trainings and everything else. I was, I was literally convinced I was going to die. You know, I mean, I'd been waiting my whole life to meet Crystal and get married. I've been married for 90 days, and they're like, dude, you're going to go here, and you're going to pay the ultimate sacrifice, and people, your wife will get a folded flag. I mean, you literally fill out paperwork where you're choosing your pallbearers before you go. You vets know what I'm talking about. You literally choose your pallbearers before you go on mission. You do all your life insurance and all this other stuff and no one steps on that plane, you step on that plane. You have to make the choice. It was devastating, man. It has long-lasting effects for decades to come when you have to go through something like that. But but here's what happened is that when you've walked through something like that where you faced certain death, like certain things just kind of happen, you're like, "Really? Like a virus?" You know what I mean? Like, at least they gave me some semblance of thinking I was going to be okay with some halfway NBC mask that I could have in 210 rounds thinking it was going to save me. NBC, it's nuclear biological chemical. That's an NBC mask. You know what NBC stand for in the military? Nobody cares. Like, (laughs) nobody cared about this stuff, man. We'd all just be like, you know what? I ain't putting that thing on. Just let me die from the Agent Orange or, you know, mustard gas, whatever. Once you've walked through that, and then you walk into a season such as this, where everybody is running for their literal lives, can you notice that the government can't solve anything? They can't solve homelessness, the war on poverty, the war on drugs. They can't solve anything. And then we believe that somehow they're magically going to solve us and save us from some virus that is just going to continue. It's just like, it just, it is what it is, man. But I'm not going to get a virus that's going to kill me staying at home watching reruns and leave it to Beaver, man. I'm just not doing it, man. And I don't share that with you trying to make you think that I'm all that. I was scared out of my mind. And I still have long-lasting effects for what I had to go through during those times. Because fear is real and death is real. But what I want to share with you is that if you've never really faced it, you just kind of give yourself over to it and just be like, do a man, whatever. This is how I go, this is how I go. But I'm not going to let it control me. Here's the second point. Don't give up the fight. You just adjust as necessary. You're always going to have to have adjustments, man. That's just part of living life. Plan A doesn't work. You find plan 2.5. It's just what you do. There's always adjustments in ministry. And, and just because John went to prison, Jesus was like, well, I'm not going to preach in that city. I'll just go preach in this other city. I'll just make an adjustment. Because he, he went to Capernaum because Capernaum was ripe for social change during that time. It was you know, they had uh, social problems and economic problems, and there was a mix of Jews and Gentiles. I mean, even the, the Bible says in, in Romans chapter 1 that the salvation came first to the Jews, but they rejected Christ, and then it came over to the Gentiles. God was like, well, the Jews don't all want it. Why don't we open it up to these other knuckleheads? Maybe they'll accept it. And they like, praise God, man. I'm glad that really happened. Verse 13, and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, Jesus realized that it would be more receptive in Capernaum, so he moved. See, what Jesus realized is that every town doesn't have a great ministry. Every person isn't a great ministry. Some buckets have holes. So, so you just like make an adjustment. You're like, uh, but we always talk about don't waste your oil. Like if some people don't want it, some people don't want it. Go find someone that does. You know, back back when I used to be in sales, I used, to, I used to literally sell toilet paper for a living. Um, man, those guys are paying, making cash right now. I guarantee them. <laughs> They used to throw it, oh, we got all we need. Do you? Do you really? Got it right here. I could be selling single ply for muddy. Anyway, what was I talking about? So, um, the point is, what's well, my point? Yeah, you, you, just because something isn't receptive doesn't mean you just keep beating a dead horse, man. It's just not how it is. You, you have, you have to just adjust as necessary. Like for for us here in Auburn, like honestly, our ministry has been very fruitful. We have we have found uh, that there's people in Auburn and people that are within this city that need the gospel, and 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 we've seen people saved and set free. Uh, we've all found a home here together as family, and and the the circle is widening. There's more seats at the table. We're going to continue to add more seats to the table, um, but. Uh, sometimes you have to make adjustments uh, in, in your approaches. We're having to do that now. Uh, the approaches that we've done before, we're not able to do outreaches or advertising or those types of things because it's just a different season. But it doesn't mean that the mission changes. Yeah, that's right. Like you, you still have to continue to reach out to people. You still have to continue to push the gospel forward. You just, you have to do it. This, this happened to Jesus. Uh, it says in Matthew thirteen fifty eight. he said, now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. So Jesus is like, well, I just got to go do something else. Mark chapter six, five and six. And this is a really funny scripture to me. Now he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. (laughs) Not really good happened there. All he was able to do was lay his hand on a few sick people and healed them. But this is the operative verse in six. He says, and he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit, just teaching. See, Jesus shows us that adjustment that... You know, we're going to stay on mission, but if things aren't the same way that they were or things aren't going to do the way that they are, then we're just, we're just going to adjust. We're just going to change things and still continue to stay on, stay on mission. Whatever, whatever it takes to be able to, to do stuff, then we're just going to do it. Paul did the same thing. You guys have, remember Paul in the Bible? You guys ever heard of that guy before? Yeah. Paul did the same thing. He followed where the Holy Spirit led him and he didn't let it stop him from what he was doing. First Thessalonians 2.18, therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and time again, but Satan hindered us. So he had a plan, but Satan t- kept them from doing that. So he was like, well, I had to go to this other city. I had to go and do something else. In Romans chapter 15, and I, I just want to show you this because I always think it's powerful to hear directly from the word. In Romans chapter 15, uh, it talks about how Paul wanted to come to the uh, uh, Roman church And he says, For this reason I also have been much hindered from coming to you, but now no longer having a place in these parts, and having a great desire these many years to come to you, whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you, for I hope to see you on my journey. And to be helped on my way there by you, it, uh, if first I may enjoy your company for a while, but now I'm going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. Uh, Paul always adjusted his ministry. Now, part of the reason why he couldn't go to Rome, we find the answer of why in the book of Acts, Paul couldn't go to Rome because he got arrested and he was imprisoned and he, but, but because that happened, he was able to publicly address the multitudes in Jerusalem he was able to uh, witness to the Sanhedrin. He was to testify before uh, two Roman rulers. He was able to give a defense of the Christian faith to King Herod Agrippa. Like all these things happened. So he was he was thinking, oh man, I want to go to the Roman church. These are my brethren. I love them. want to see them. God redirected him and he ended up in prison and all these other things happened. And then God used all that stuff to be able to accomplish a great move of God, to be able to move more of the gospel forward. It was just an adjustment. It was just change. That's, that's all it was. The earliest disciples didn't get uh, uh, set back by uh, setbacks. They were just like, well, we're just gonna do something else. Acts 18:6. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, "Your blood be upon your own heads. I'm clean. For now, I'm gonna go to the Gentiles. If you don't want to hear what I have to say? I'm gonna find somebody who will. If you don't, if you want to listen to what I'm saying, then you can go and uh, do it. Uh, do it somewhere else with someone else." This is what Jesus told us to do. Yeah. Jesus told us to do this in Matthew 10 14. He said, And whoever will not receive you nor hear your words when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Yeah. Same thing they did in Acts 13 51. Just because church ministry isn't the same as it's been doesn't mean that it ends. Yeah. You just adjust. You can't, we, we can't go into this world where you say, you oh, know what, man, I'm just going to do it differently at all. It's, it's, it's no different than many of us have had to do with our jobs. Many of you are working remotely and you've never done that before. And you just adjusted. You're like, oh, we're going to do Zoom and I'm going to have a home office and I do this. It's like the, the mission has to continue on. But for some reason it comes to church and people are like, well, maybe we just shut her down and start her up again in 2022. It's like, what? They're, they're adjusting everything else for the almighty dollar. Can we do it for almighty God? We can't just adjust things a little bit differently and let it be what it is. We're not going to let that set us back. We as the people of God have what everybody needs. And now they realize that they need it more than ever. More than ever. Christianity flourished during the despotic Roman rule because people wanted to be free from their sin while simultaneously Wanted to be freed from an g- oppressive government. Yep. Wouldn't it be interesting if that played out today? And, and, and it's funny, years ago when I would preach or talk about you know, totalitarianism or oppressive governments, people were like, What are you talking about, Pastor? I know we, we literally are, are in a phase where they're telling people uh, how many people you can have at your own kitchen table, it's despotic. It's totalitarianism. It's unconstitutional. Right. Right. Just I digress, but indulge me. Safe injection sites. I can turn myself into a woman. I can, uh, you know, buy marijuana. I can go and get an abortion. I can, you know, marry somebody that's the same sex as me. I can. Some states I can go sleep with somebody who's not my wife for money. Like all these other things that I'm able to do, and it's like. I have some turkey with some friends. I'll tell you pornography has ruined more families than Turkey has. I don't see them shutting that down. It's ruined more marriages than a little mashed potatoes And stovetop stuffing. If you eat anything else than that, you're not American, man. I'm telling you. Don't go messing that thing up with like apple slices and nuts. Seriously. Now that's sin. In a time that I'm sorry. I just I'll stay in my notes. All right. In a time that people are afraid of death, we have the greatest opportunity to be preaching everlasting life. We really do. Like people are literally in fear of death. I mean, they they don't want to die. And we're able to say, you know what, man? I'm never going to die. I've got everlasting life. I'm going to live forever. Would you like to know how? everybody's going to live forever. It's whether they're going to go to heaven or hell. I'm going to live forever with Jesus, man. That's where I'm going. That's what I'm doing. And if they don't want to receive it, then I'm just going to move on. I'm going to find people that want it. Luke chapter 10, but whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, the very dust of your city, which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, the kingdom of God has come to you because you heard this message. They might reject our message of repentance and everlasting life, but know this, 1 Thessalonians 4, 8, therefore he who rejects this does not reject man, but God who has also given us his Holy Spirit. And we want to live this out. We want to live out the scripture so we can stand before God and say, therefore I testify to you this day that I'm innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Let it not be said of us that we stand before God and God say, why did you not tell them of the coming judgment? Why did you not tell them that I love them? Why did you tell them that they could be free from the law of sin and death? That they could not fear death. That they could not fear whether or not they're going to live forever. If they receive us, they receive Jesus. And if they don't, then they don't. Here's the last part of it. Don't give up the fight, man. Stay in the fight and remember God's plan. See, in verse 14, let me get back to Matthew. Matthew chapter 4, verse 14. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. That it might be fulfilled is a term that you can see all throughout Matthew. And we'll see it more as we go through. And, 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 and I know I repeat myself, but I want to ingrain this into your head. Matthew is trying to connect Old Testament prophecy with Jesus Christ to make the connection to show that Jesus is Messiah. And, and, and so he's drawing the connection between Isaiah chapter 9 that said that the Messiah would come and then he would go to this region. And so Jesus went to that region. So Matthew is putting the two together and saying, uh, this is fulfilled. Why is this important? Because it shows God's eternal plan. It shows that God knows what he's doing, that God directs the affairs of man. You are not here by accident. You are here for a time such as this. You could have been born at a different time. You didn't choose when you're going to be born. You didn't choose where you were going to be born. God chose it and he put you here for a time such as this. And so we've got to stay in the fight and remember God's plan. God has a plan. Let me show you another scripture. I'm going to preach on this probably in the next few weeks, but just pretend that we didn't say it. Um, In Matthew chapter 6, 25 through 34. Now listen, you haven't been listening up to this point, but listen now. I, I want you to really clue in and listen to this scripture, and I want you to think about it in terms of 2020, okay? Right now. Don't think about when you learn this scripture in Sunday school. I want you to think about it right now for where we're at, okay? Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you, you, not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to a stature? So why do you worry about clothing? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, the essence of that verse is very simple. God has a plan. God knows what he's doing, and he's going to take care of the details. Yeah. Yeah. Have you not eaten up to this point in your life? Has he, has he, yeah, some of you are like, amen. Has he not taken care of you? Can you not look back on seasons in your life where you didn't even think that you would make it this far, yet God has sustained you? Yeah. Is God not faithful to see it through? Will God not see you through 21 and 22 and 23? Will God not take care of you? Yes, he will. Job knew it. Job said it in Job 42 too. I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. See, this is the standard that Jesus knew and this is the standard that Job knew and that we should know is that God will take care of it. Come what may. No matter what may happen, even if, even if earthly death may befall you, it is okay and that God will take care of the details. The world will continue to world even without you. It will be fine. Proverbs 19, 21, and there are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. What does it mean to you, friend, as you're going through it? Do you, do you forget and have you forget that God is in control and he's taking care of it? See, what frustrates me is that there, there was many years uh, of of, uh, of seeming American prosperity that that Christianity was just like this loosey-goosey, easy, yeah. kind of like, hey, you know, we're hanging out. And then there's this moment where it's like, man, we can grab this thing by the horns and actually preach to a lost and dying world that their foundations are being struck. And then we're just like, oh, just stay home. Like, I'm not going to do that. Really? Because, all, and I've said it before, all these things that we prayed that would get out of the way to be able to preach, they're not able to do their sports, their movies, their kid stuff. They're not able to go away, all that. and then it's like, dude, this is the moment. And like, all right, well, everything's been taken away from you. What do you have? You've got nothing because you don't have Jesus. God's plan is going to prevail. We've got to preach and let people know that God is in control. God knew about COVID long before we did. He knew about civil unrest, yeah. oppressive government restrictions. He knew all about this. Yeah. Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. Yeah. Paul probably wondered uh, what was going on when he followed the call of Jesus on his life and then he ended up in prison. When he was being flogged and beaten and he was bleeding, he probably said, man, what was going on, man? I used to be the guy that was beating and killing and then I give my life to Jesus and now I'm being beat and now I'm in prison. Why did I follow this Jesus thing in the first place? It wasn't so we can sit around and read these scriptures and be like, oh, it was so nice that Paul was willing to suffer for the gospel. But now I'm not gonna suffer. I, I've i got bills to pay and, and you know, I, I gotta make sure that my heat turns on and I gotta make sure that everything's being taken care of. And so you know what? I, I, No way! I'm not going to live like that. Philippians 1, 6, being confident in this very thing that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Has he failed you yet? No. You're still here, man. He's gotten you this far. Philippians 4, 6, Paul said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. As many friends as you want, let your request be made known to God. Did I say that out loud? That's the inside voice, outside voice. Do you know where anxiousness comes from? It comes from not trusting God. Amen. That's good. I will keep you in perfect peace. Those whose mind stayed on Him. It's me, man. It's me. It's you. It's all of us. Whenever we get worked up and anxious, it's because we've lost trusting God. We want to we hold on to it. We want to hold on to the details. Be anxious for nothing. People take on the world's DNA and wonder why they feel like the world feels. Did you know the media has a product that they sell? It's called Fear. And they will use whatever they need to use to get you on the internet and their news stations and reading their stuff. Because then you're just like, oh my gosh, I've got to, I've got to do this based on what they're saying. They just want advertising dollars, man. And you know, what's funny is that I, I pray to God that you finally see the, see it. Because when I used to say this stuff years ago, they'd be like, hey man, you're a conspiracy theorist. Am I really? Am I? I think it's abundantly clear that they are selling fear. And this is just the soup du jour, man. It's COVID could be gone and they'll find something else. It's every day. That's just, what they want to do. But this is what the Bible says. Romans 12, two, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God friend, trust in the processes of God, trust in his plan, you are going to be okay. Yes. Psalm 33, 1, uh, thirty-three, eleven says, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Yeah. God has a plan. We're part of this plan. We're on mission. And so if we're going to be on mission, we're going to stay in the fight. We're not, we're not going to give up the fight just because things are happening around us. Yeah. We're going to adjust as necessary to do what we need to do to stay on mission. And we're going to live understanding and knowing that God has a plan and we're just blessed enough to be a part of this. Amen? We're blessed enough to be a part of this. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? If you're here this morning, you're not a Christian, I want to invite you to become one. It's really quite easy. Either you've given your life to Jesus or you haven't. Either you're a Christian or you are not. And if you're watching online or you're here this morning, if you've never given your life to Jesus... If you've never said, I am a sinner and I need a savior, I want to be set free. If you've never made that decision before and you'd like to do that for the very first time today, we would like to pray with you. Is there anybody that needs to make that decision today? Would you raise your hand so we can pray with you? Hand held high. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. We always ask, too, if you've been far from God you are a Christian, you've walked away and you say, man, I don't know what happened, pastor. Like it's been years, but I I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit this morning. And I need to come back to Jesus. Friend, he's right behind you. He loved you when you were his enemy. How much more so now that he calls you son or daughter, just turn around and fall into his arms. If you need to come back to Jesus this morning, rededicate your life. Would you raise your hand? I'd like to pray with you as well. So anybody that needs to make that decision. Father, we pray that this word would go down into our spirits. God, we pray that we would stay on mission. Stay on mission, Lord. Just as necessary, but God, we trust in your plan. We know you know what you're doing. We may not know what we're doing, but we're going to stay on mission. We're going to do what you have called us to do. We're going to walk the way that you intended us to walk. We love you and we praise you we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.